If you grew up in the 90s, you might remember Shira Luna as that genius little girl from the milk commercial on TV. Today, she is best known as one of the top fashion photographers in the Philippines. A celebrated career, but one that is a far cry from the one in medicine that she embarked upon but never finished when she was only 13. Shira's story is extraordinary. A tale of a child prodigy with an isolated upbringing who was raised to stick to the gilded path laid out before her. But it's also very familiar. The quest of a girl to discover who she really is and to shatter the walls and ceilings that boxed her in. My name is Leah Cruz. On this episode of What Glass Ceiling, we talk to Shira Luna. Hi, Shira. Welcome to What Glass Ceiling. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for coming on. Okay, Shira, there's an entire generation, actually, me included, I'm part of this, that grew up with you as the picture of a wonder kid, of a phenomenon, that sort of thing. You're in you're in that TV commercial. We'll just name it the promo TV commercial in the 90s and everyone knew your story. Can you tell us about that? So I think people really started to know me most um, during 1995 um, because that was the promo commercial. Um, and there I was talking about the cardiovascular system and I was supposed to be like one of the youngest doctors in the country. Um, my peg basically was Doogie Hauser. I'm sure you're familiar with Doogie yep. Hauser. That's <laughs> the life peg or like that was the goal. Um, so I was also with two other kids, um, James, the astronomer. He was the one who recited the line, the sun is the center of the solar yeah, system. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Think that's me um but it was actually james and then um the other one kiko um was a poet and we all know where kiko is he's a publisher so <laughs> but yeah so we th- there were three of us um but actually i think it started or i mean my story started way before the promo commercial um i was i think two years old when i started to show interest in the sciences and in anatomy and biology and all those sorts of things. Um, it was also in the newspapers back then, back in 1989. And I know this because I have all the clippings and I have I'm like, sure. all, the, all the photo albums. And I, yeah, we, my mom, my mom um, saved everything. Um, so I think back then she thought it would be too much for a two or three year old to handle. Um, like doing a commercial or being exposed to the media. Um, But um, skipping forward to when I was eight years old, there was the opportunity to once again be in a commercial. And I think she just um, uh, allowed it because I was already like talking more um, and she felt that maybe we could handle um, being in a commercial. How did that experience though shape your childhood? Because Obviously, I'm, I'm sure it had an, um, an incredible effect on, on how the rest of your childhood played out. Well, when I was two, when it really all started, um, I, I don't think it was a normal childhood. Um, when I compare it to other kids now, or when I look at it now, um, but back then, all I really knew was to read, paint, um, I always had my nose in a book. I was always reading. I was always asking my mom stuff. I didn't have playmates. I didn't have any like buddies. Um, I didn't play in a sandbox, like none of that. So I, I just didn't know any different. 
happy. I just thought that was normal. I thought like, um, you know, evenings were always about trivia games and <laughs> reading encyclopedias. Um, and in school, it was the same thing. I was always expected to get like, the highest grades because I was accelerated. So, of course, there's always that expectation that I would be top of class. Um, I skipped four levels um, back then. So my classmates were always older than me. And I guess it was really just fast forwarded. I, I don't think I went through a phase of like really playing. I had okay. to... I had to um, kind of grow up really fast and try to, um, you know, interact with kids four or five years older than I was, and I just thought that was normal. <laughs> Does that mean that you didn't you didn't have you didn't play with your cousins? Did Did you have any siblings? My brother's four years younger than I am, and I was quiet. I was like even more <laughs> um, quiet, like very withdrawn. Um, I did. I mean, I have cousins, but I don't remember playing that much um I'm not sure my mom really encouraged it and um I I know she'd always tell me oh she doesn't like playing like she'd rather study so I guess that's what I ended up doing I just didn't study because that was me I didn't play I studied (laughs) and playtime for us was different playtime was um like doing science experiments playtime was going to museums so that was playtime for me and if people did any different I'd be like I don't know how to do that (laughs) <laughs> Tell me about your family, the rest of your family. Like, what did your mom do? What did your dad do? So, my mom was a dentistry student when she had me. And then my dad um, is in the family business, which is office and school supplies. Um, so, my mom stopped um, going to school when she had me. She was just 21. So she was so bored at home because um, my dad was always um, at the office. And out of boredom, she would just teach me or read to me her like medical books, like her dentistry books, um, without really, I guess, expecting that I would absorb anything. It was just out of sheer boredom that she decided to teach me. <laughs> and then I guess when she realized that I was like um, absorbing things, uh, she just went with it. And um, I think it scared her a little bit because I think I was learning too much too fast. And all of a sudden, she didn't know what to do with me because I was asking for books. I was asking for projects. And um, she said that she didn't know what to teach me anymore. So that's when she went to the Department of Education. Um, And the rest of the family, uh, my grandma is a dentist. Um, And then on my dad's side, uh, they're all like Chinese, like you know, business. So there, I don't think there's anyone artistic or like in the creative field on my dad's side. Uh, my mom's side, on the other hand, they had musicians. So I guess that's where it comes from, like the side that's coming out now. <laughs> but um, yes, children, my brother and I were just always at home. Um, and if we did end up playing with relatives or going to reunions, we we were... We kept to ourselves mostly. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know if they kept away from us or we kept away from them. Oh, okay. Are you friends with them now? Are you close with them? Yeah. Well, I'm not, not close because like we, yeah. at that early stage in life, um, up to college even, like we never really learned to get close to anyone for some reason. Okay. I'm happy now that I'm really, you know, like I'm such a people person, like cool. Yeah. Like if I were open, I'd look at myself, I'd be like, who are you? 
Because <laughs> we were we were really sheltered, like sheltered, sheltered, and we were always told that we were different. So, I mean, I'm sure that somehow affected how we um, interacted or dealt with other people because we were always told that we're different. You can't, you can't do this. Um, you, they won't understand you. You won't understand them. And, like you're on a different plane or something. So, basically, okay. till um, high school or, or college. Um, not me. I mean, I didn't really have interaction with um, like other people. In terms of EQ, I'm sure it was pretty low. <laughs> How old were you when you started going to school? Because you did mention that, of course, you were accelerated and everyone was like four or five years older than you. Um, I was two when I sat in a grade six science class at Philippine Christian University. Like, it sounds absurd but there are like pictures and everything and and videos so i can't really deny that um but yeah i was two years old um and then it was just the science class because science was my interest and then um, my mom was advised by the department of education to enter me into like regular school so they tried to put me in preschool but i got bored and then they moved me to grade one. Um, and then they said I finished all my books. So they had to move me to grade two. So um, that's, yeah, that's pretty much how it went. When you were growing up and, you know, you were going through all of these things, I guess at that point in time, as you mentioned, you, you didn't really know that it, was, it wasn't the norm. It wasn't what other kids were experiencing. But looking back at it, would you say it was good for you? Was it a positive experience? Was it negative? Or was it a little bit of both? Maybe a little bit of both. Um, because you know, I never really thought of these things until I reached college. <laughs> like, it was just everything my mom told me to do or my teachers told me to do, like, I would do without question. Because I was young, like eight, nine. <laughs> you know, you can't really think about these things. You can't say it's wrong or not normal uh, you just do what you're told um but i'm still pretty happy it was that way because i i guess i retained the discipline <laughs> that was really instilled in me back then and also like the expectations of myself um i kept my standards pretty high <laughs> so i mean that has both bad and, like good and bad sides so it's really just a matter of perspective i just like to think it's a good thing <laughs> I just always it's make probably sure. a good thing yeah it's probably a good thing okay so it seems that your time in college was a really pivotal point in your life can you yeah. tell us what 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 went on here what happened here why it was such a, a crucial moment for you um i graduated i think 12 or 13 well, I was 13 when I entered college, and um, I only took one entrance exam for one school, for one course. Like, I was not sure I was going to get into medicine. <laughs> I, like, didn't even consider other schools, or I didn't even consider, um, like, what if I flunked the exam? But I, I took up um, the, I took up BS Human Biology, which is a quota course in LaSalle, and um yeah i got into like those like there were only two sections so it was pretty hard apparently to get into um but even before i entered um 
college, I was already being scouted by like the political parties and like orgs. Um, so, like, I that's where I started getting nervous because you know, coming from a small high school and a small grade school where where everyone's just pretty much nice to you or like know who you are. Um, that scared me a little bit, um, but I was also excited because all of a sudden it was this whole new world where um, I would be alone for at least eight hours a day <laughs> without like my, my my dad or my mom watching me. Um, and I was just really excited um, about how I would go about it. It was a bit of a culture shock, um, but I was calm, I think, the first day of class. Like, oh, okay, this is weird. Like, I've never really experienced this kind of setting before. And as the days slowly passed, it was a really tight feeling in my chest because all of a sudden um, I was questioning why I was in the course. Um, I started to wonder, like, did I really want to become a doctor? Um, because everyone in my class was so serious about um, their future careers. They already had plans for their clinics. They already had plans um, like for the hospitals they wanted to work for. And here I was just like so excited to be alone for the first time. So my mind was clearly somewhere else. It wasn't on the, you know, on the dream, so to speak. Um, I think, yeah, probably first term, that was when my mind started, you know, drifting away from from the, the Shira Luna becomes a doctor part of my story um and that was that, like that's a way- pretty early i yeah, mean that's that pretty early pretty- into the college experience the first term what? only who, who picked <laughs> that course for you was it you oh yeah it was me i'm like this is the shortest course that's gonna make me become a doctor so the goal was to become a doctor at 19 because uh human biology is only six years the one in you was seven years i'm like i'm gonna become a doctor at 19 <laughs> <laughs> did you did you want to be a doctor or was that just you know that was that just you following the plan well all my life i think i wanted i mean i thought i wanted to become a doctor even when i chose the course and even when i entered college i'm gonna be a doctor even though i was already working also working um in abscbn at that time and then i was also doing like lots of other things i was doing music and i was um like writing but those were just extras like i wanted to become a doctor what were you doing in abscbn um, so I started as a segment host when I was 11 or 12. So I would host a um, segment for kids. So I would interview um, students. I would like visit places um, that were of interest to kids my age. And then eventually they gave me the segment when I was um, 15. So I became segment producer for a morning show. Um, so I was like writing the scripts and I was like doing the backpacking and I was like sitting at the editing bay doing the voiceovers. Um, I even went live twice a week. <laughs> um, so that was such a great um, experience. And um, I actually thought of taking up um, communication as well. But since the goal um, of my childhood was to become a doctor, I just took medicine. <laughs> All right. Tell me about that moment that, you realize this is not what I want. So I stuck it out for two years <laughs> in that course. That, that's long. Yeah. I mean, if you if you had realized, if you were starting to have doubts in like the first term and then you went on to 
complete two years. Yeah. It's pretty long. Pretty, okay. <laughs> it was a pretty yeah. long time. Um, I think it was just me being the diligent, obedient um, kid I was. And, you know, at 13, um, I'm not making excuses because I was young, because all my life I've been with people older than me. But I really, actually, it would be unfair to say that I tried because I don't think I tried very hard at all when I look at it. I I was like flunking my subjects. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I think I just stuck it out just for the sake of like saying, "Oh, I'm 13. I'm in pre-med. I'm taking medicine." You know, I just held on to that. Um, but I wasn't showing the. I wasn't putting in the effort. Um, my interest just slowly started fading away. Um, and you know, when I started. Failing, that was a big thing, um, I think, for my, my peers. Um, because I even heard from like other colleges, um, they would say, Oh, I heard you flunked your subject. Like, how, how do you know? Like, is this a big deal? So apparently it was, um, because I wasn't the genius that everyone expected me to be in college. And, um, yeah, I just started flunking subjects. I was skipping class and I was still alive. So I thought, Oh, this is different. Like, it's not so bad. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> to, hear, to hear you say it that way, that I'm flunking my subjects, I'm skipping class, and I'm still alive. I mean, to equate that with, you know, I didn't pass out and die, even if I flunk this this subject. I mean, that's that's like a lot of weight right there. And, you know, I you're smiling right now. I can see you smiling. But, but I feel like this entire experience was was a lot for you to go through. For sure. And I didn't know how to carry myself in college. Um, I had two, like, best friends um, that I made. And the only reason I made friends with one of them was because I was not listening in class. I was writing down lyrics to Mariah Carey's songs. And then she saw me, like, not listening. And then she saw my notebook. She's like, oh, do you like Mariah Carey? I'm like, yeah, I love her. So so we, like, I found my friend because I wasn't listening in class. Um, and it, I, I know it's bad to say that it was exciting, but I never failed anything in my life before that point. And that's the worst example ever for, for kids or for whoever is listening. But like, oh my God, I failed something. <laughs> Did it cause any alarm for anyone that you were failing? Apart from like, you know, I mean, obviously you already outlined that, you know, other universities were talking about it, but closer within your sphere, what were the reactions of people? Oh, gosh. Well, my, my mom, actually, by the time I went to college, um, was already in the States. Um, we didn't get along. Um, so she left um, during my college graduation. Like, it was that bad. Like, we, I, I think I was starting to not follow her. I was starting to, like, just, you know, not take any of it. Um, so she, she left um, the day of my high school graduation. So we didn't really talk. Um, from that point um, so it was just my dad who was like my guardian and um, of course news got back to them because they would see my grades right and I don't think they no they don't take it very well um, they're wondering what was going on um, this is your dream since you're young um, you can't do this this isn't you um, but you see our family doesn't really talk about stuff like we're not 
open. We can't discuss things, um, especially like my like the grandparents' side. They just always, you know, like, or you, we, it wasn't, there was no communication, I guess. Um, so it was always, or like they'd get mad at you over the phone. Um, and like, I myself didn't know how to explain anything because I didn't know what I was doing. And I didn't know what, why I was not studying. I didn't know, I didn't know anything. <laughs> um, so I was pretty lost, I guess, um, from 13 to 15 or however long I was in college. And it was all just bottled up inside. I didn't have friends to talk to. Um, I couldn't explain anything to my family. And they all thought I was just being, like, I was going a wall. <laughs> um, or nagre-rebelde. That was always the term, like nagre-rebelde. Then I lost a lot of weight then. So they're like, nagdrugs ka ba? Like, may BA, may bad influence ba sayo? Um, there was never any attempt to understand what was happening. How did you come to terms with what was happening to you and a complete 180 from what you had been, what you had thought of? I mean, you know, of what you had planned for yourself, of what, what was laid out before you. How did you navigate that? I shifted courses. So I, since I was uh, working for ABS, I figured, well, since I'm not doing good in this course and I apparently don't want to be a doctor after all, um, I decided that I wanted to shift to um, broadcasting. I started getting better grades. Um, I was really interested in, this, in the subjects and in my classes. I was really, you know, actively doing projects um, in school. So like I was studying again, I made the dean's list, like, huh. <laughs> like, oh, this is this is good. This is what I guess they were waiting for. But it was because I wasn't in science anymore and I I, I figured, well, maybe it's just what I thought all along. And it was enjoyable. Um shifting courses. And I actually shifted three more times. <laughs> How did you find photography? Um, well, while I was in ABS, um, during the morning shows, I would bring around like a digicam and I just take behind the scenes photos. Um, but actually I found photography while I was sneaking out to watch bands. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I was also into music. Um, I played the flute quite seriously when I was younger and we happened to have a neighbor, um, who played the guitar and had gigs and I pleaded with my dad to let me watch gigs at uh, his gigs um, since he was a family friend so I would go and pretend to play the flute even though I just wanted to get out of the house um, and then I always wished I had a camera with me um, just so I could you know shoot the light I found it very interesting I found like watching from the audience I, I found looking at the stage um, just mesmerizing so I always wished I had a camera and um, one day I just took out uh, my savings from the commercial and I bought myself a Digicam. I actually took the LRT for the first time. I think I skipped one class, but I came back in time for my next class. Um, so I, aside from being very proud that I took the LRT by myself, I sat in the plaza of school, just tinkering with my new camera. And I brought that to the gigs. Um, and I just started taking pictures, like for nothing. I had no influence. I didn't like know any photographers. I didn't, it, it wasn't 
I had not, no idea about um, the photography industry really. Um, I guess my only photography background would be my mom. Um, she she documented my life since I was like small, small. <laughs> yes, she she took photos of us every single day. When did you realize that photography was something that you wanted to do? That you wanted to be serious about it? That you wanted it to be a career? Not for a couple of years at all. Um, photography for me, I didn't even call it photography. I just, I just want to take pictures. <laughs> so I was 16 uh, when, I, when I bought my first uh, Digicam and you know, snuck out to watch gigs. Um, and then I would just always sneak out of the house, um, go and take pictures. Uh, when there were other bands, I would also take pictures of those other bands. And then I'd show them the photos. They'd ask for it for their Friendster accounts so they could put it like on their profile page. Yeah, it was Friendster and Multiply. Um, <laughs> getting to old school. Um, and then I ended up with the basis of my guitarist friend. <laughs> so, so all of a sudden, I was like going to more and more gigs because I had, you know, like he was my boyfriend already. So I would just always go to gigs. And um, I also watched like um, when they had concerts, I would take behind the scenes. When they made music videos, I would take behind the scenes photos. So it was really just more of documenting like we would do now with our phones. And um, thinking of photography as a hobby, uh, as like a profession, <laughs> it, no, it took a really um, long time. Um, I just found it really amusing whenever people would ask me to shoot them. Um, people would inquire if I would do portraits. Um, the bars would ask if I could shoot food. And I didn't know how to shoot food, but I said I could try. So each time something was asked of me, I would research. So maybe that's where like the discipline from when I was younger or my love for studying um, came back into the picture. Um, anytime I was asked to shoot, I would always Yahoo, Yahoo search mode, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I would go to book sale and um, browse through the fashion magazines and I would put little post-its. Um, I didn't even know they were called pegs. I, I would just yeah. mark them and just observe and then, oh, like, this is cool. So I would just always look at pictures and um, every time I was hired, um, I was a little nervous because I didn't even own like an actual camera. <laughs> I just had like a Digicam and um, I even borrowed um, cameras for a while. And um, one time I was shooting a band and then the road manager gave me a thousand bucks. And then she said, you know, I think you have the eye and maybe you should start saving up for a camera. And I think that's one of the first times I ever thought, oh, maybe I'm good at this. Maybe. When your parents got wind of what you were doing and what you were buying, what did they say? <sighs> oh, dear. Um, well, since a lot of my relatives are in the States, um, I don't think any good news came to them. Every time I got on the phone with one of them, there would all be, always be sermons. Um Wait, what's the usual? Like you're wasting your life. Um, um, you're probably doing drugs. You're probably with the wrong crowd. Um, your cousins here are blah blah. They're earning this much, and you, you wasted your college. You wasted everything. Um, I 
can't really remember a good phone call <laughs> at all. Mm, maybe, well, my, my grandma was, like, she'd always just say hi, but it, it, it was mostly worrying and disappointment. Yeah. Okay. Always, always. <laughs> uh, did you take that to heart? Did you, did it, did it really get to your head? I mean, all of this, because that's like a roller coaster of emotions that, that, that you had to go through, especially with people that, that, you, you mentioned earlier, in, in your younger formative years, they were basically the only ones you had. Yeah, and I was always their trophy. I was always the one they would show off. I was always the one they would talk about in reunions. And I found that really embarrassing. I I didn't like it. I, I think that's also another reason why I was really withdrawn when it came to like family things, because um, it would always be about me and it would always be my mom um, showing off the new thing I learned or I could do or my new achievement or accomplishment. Um, so if you can imagine from the age, from two years old until I was high school, it was always Shaira, 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 like she's all that. And then all of a sudden, like I'm hiding out in bars till 3 and taking pictures. Um, I think it was as much of a roller coaster for them as it was for me so now that I look at it I mean I can't blame them because I would be scared too I mean after all I was just 16 yeah how are you with your family now um no well they love the celebrity part (laughs) it's like they're always asking if I've seen this person and if, if I've seen this person um Sometimes I'm asked to bring cameras to reunions and stuff. Um, but I think they have accepted that I'm really not going to become a doctor. I think at some point they were still hoping I'd go back to school and uh, finish oh, medicine. <laughs> I have to go back to that. Like, how many, how long did you take in college shifting the courses? And, and how, did, they really actually did hold out hope six years. They held out hope that you would still complete the whole medicine thing. Yep. They said it was a phase that I was just going through. Um, I didn't know if that was... It might have been true. I don't know. I just didn't go back to school. I actually went and I took uh, LOAs, two terms, and then I just never went back. Okay. I think that was the biggest, I guess, disappointment for them that I dropped out of school. You know, a lot of a lot of young people go through this whole journey of finding themselves and what makes them happy and what they want to do, but definitely not on the scale that you went through and not with all the weight on their shoulders that you had. Like going through all of that, what would you tell someone who was maybe not 13, maybe a little older, <laughs> trying to find out what, what their life's purpose was? What would your advice be? Back then, I don't think I was trying to find my life's purpose. It was just, I guess, figuring out the parts I didn't like to begin with. Like, I just started, you know, crossing off. Okay, I don't want to do this. Okay, I don't want to do this. Um, And I basically eliminated um, goal setting. Because... You know, my entire life, it just always, I always had goals. I always had, um, like, a, a plan. And when things didn't go as planned, I found that I was happy anyway. So I guess I could say that meeting your goals, um, 
this need to be the pinnacle of life. Um, I even now I just take things as they come. If you ask me what my goal um, is in five years, I don't have an answer for you. I I just stopped planning my life, and I think I've just learned to listen to other people and their stories and how they go about things. So whatever's thrown at me or whatever comes at me, like I can adjust. Um, I think that's the main thing that helped me all these years. Like I learned to adjust. I learned to tweak things. I learned to accept things. Um, uh, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I'm not meant for this. So I, I don't take things to heart too much. Always try to have a different perspective. When they say I failed at something, I I never say I failed at anything. I know that's such a proud thing to say, but I you know I wouldn't say I failed. Like I always say, I just took a different turn. So <laughs> what am I trying to say? <laughs> I guess I, I I'm just not too hard on myself. That's actually really inspiring. The fact that you have a different perspective and that you, you, you don't say that you failed because a lot of people, you know, they take, we all take it to heart when we think we failed at something and it really gets to us and eats us up inside because of a certain failure. But to look at it in, in a, in a different way and, and say that you've taken another turn is actually a really enlightening way to look at the twists and turns of your life's journey. Okay. So going through all of these changes and all of these struggles that you've outlined was there any time that you felt like you needed to expand that that small little world that you had in the beginning was there anyone who really who really helped you through it you mentioned that you didn't have a lot of friends before you found uh, a couple of your first friends in college what was that journey like also expanding your social circle expanding your network your support system um well i think it really began with my sneaking out because I ended up with the basis. <laughs> oh my god, did you replay this like this is not a life story to be followed? Because <laughs> like I was like 16 and he was like 28 and I didn't know. Um but like he'd always ask me, he'd always sit beside me during gigs and he'd be like, but tulala and I never realized I was always staring off into space. I yeah I didn't I didn't know I was like that. He said, "Nagi kana lang tulala, nakatingin ka sa ceiling, kasi picture ka lang." Um, so we what did I do? I moved um, in with him when I was eighteen because like my dad and I again didn't get along. I think um, he was really trying to take the place of my mom. Like all of a sudden, he had to raise a teenager, like a really strong-headed <laughs> girl like me. So I think he was extra strict, um, you know, hiding the phone from me and like picking me up at exactly 5.05 at the South Gate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was really... I think. Um, so that's why I decided to move in with my boyfriend at 18. And um, I'm really thankful that he, although he, you know, he doesn't, come from a well-to-do family um, really quite different like he is not used he's not sheltered and I am and I think that really opened my eyes um, to other people how other families go about treating each other 
um, it was nice being in another home and being treated and being talked to and being asked what was wrong. Um, how can they help? How can you help them? Um, it was a really nurturing environment for me. I know it's a big age gap and it's probably illegal, but <laughs> I think it's the best thing I ever did. <laughs> because he would always say, go talk to your dad. He'd always be the one to like push me to get along with my family because their family is very tight-knit. They always talk to each other. They always say um, they, they, they're close with their cousins. Like entire clans would come over for reunions. And coming from someone who was practically like traumatized by family reunions, it was like so different. Like I wouldn't say I was the best person, you know, trying to adjust to all this because I always felt like um, someone would say something about me. So I was very... I was very paranoid and it was hard for me to, uh, to to navigate that. Trying to open myself to family, that was that was really hard for me. And I know it wouldn't be because everyone wants to love you. Like everyone just wants to you know, hug you. Everyone just wants to ask how you are and not um, what honor you received. <laughs> it, it was so different and I, I didn't know how to, how to do that. So it, it really took a while. Um, for me to be able to adjust to this new concept of family, um, and uh, yeah, this uh, name's Stockley, by the way. And are you are you still together? Yes, uh, we've been together for seventeen years. <laughs> okay, that's a long time. Okay, yeah, I'm just super grateful, I guess, um, because I I really feel like I would have gone nuts. I I really do, um, because like what I talked about a while ago was just my family and there's not even the outside world. Like if you can only imagine what people were saying on the outside, um, it was yeah. more, it was even more. <laughs> what were people saying on the outside? Um, well, the first time I reappeared um, after quitting school um, was, it was for a documentary. Uh, like, uh, nasa na sila ngayon. You know those kinds of documentaries? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they, they showed me, I was, a, I was not a professional photographer yet. I was shooting gigs. Um, and so they showed me doing that. So, yeah, I don't think it was very positive. Also because I wasn't really a photographer photographer back then. I was trying out. Um, I was and I was in a bar, so I mean, I guess that just sent all the wrong signals to everyone. Like she's in a bar, she's sixteen, she's like going home at three, four a.m. Like she was supposed to be a doctor, so um, yeah. Well, you know, someone would say, "Oh, napanod kami ganito sa ganyan, napanod ko namin, uh, usual." And I would just always be, "Well, I don't know what to answer. I'm still figuring this out." So I. Just kept on doing what I did. I think as a Virgo and as a tiger and as a very hard-headed girl, um, I I just kept it to myself. I I don't think I even bothered explaining anymore. It just came to the point where I'm just not going to explain. I don't know what this is yet anyway. So I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> what would you tell other women who know that there are standards that they have 
to live up to, that they're expected to live up to, that they don't want to live up to, but yet, and everyone gives them a hard time because they don't want to live up to them. Not everyone will have your best interests at heart. Um, that's kind of sad to hear, but that's the reality. And if you always try to please people, you're going to freeze. If you're always trying to do it because you're going to get a bigger salary, you're going to get a better name for yourself, you're never going to be able to move because you're going to equate um, your, your work and your passion with, with that. You know, you, how are you going to move? How are you going to go about life? Um, so if you want to do something, try to do it without expecting praise, expecting money, um, expecting people to do something in return because you did that. If you want to do something... Um, do it wholeheartedly and don't be scared to get hurt <laughs> or taken advantage of. Um, I guess I had to go through that to be able to respect what I do. I was pretty young and I, you know, I, I'm sure I got taken advantage of a lot of times and, uh, you have to remember those times and you learn and that way you also to educate other people who are going through the same thing. And yeah, shit happens, but you move on. <laughs> I guess the bottom line is don't be scared. Um, you'll, make, you'll make it through one piece like I did. <laughs> yeah. When you look back at, at your life, is there any point that you feel bad about, that you, that you regret? Well, I guess it would be the family part. I wish I reached out more. I wish I wasn't so um, withdrawn or scared to be close to other people. Um, well, when it comes to like the academics or whatever, all the accomplishments, like it just takes a it just takes a backseat because like these things are things you can't take back. Talking to your cousins, um, talking to your mom. Um, uh, trying to understand your dad or your, your relatives. Um, can't take that back. You know, you can always accomplish something new. But I think, well, since, you know, I can't really go back to that, I'm slowly trying to improve. I'm slowly opening up. It may not be with family um, now, but I, I'd like to think that... Um, it's also helping me now. Um, I'm making more of an effort to you know, talk, um, try to understand or try to say what I feel. Um, I trust people now. Um, and that's something I never really did before or never really thought about because I was practically a machine before that wasn't really allowed to feel anything. <laughs> so I, I'd say um, more than anything, I, I know my EQ is higher than my IQ now. <laughs> okay. And you don't have a lot of people, I guess, that you can talk to about this experience that you've been through about your childhood. How do you come to terms with having to wait until people can understand your situation? Or, or how do you try to get them to understand if you want them to? I actually don't. I I don't. <laughs> um, I've been trying to please 
people my whole life. I've been trying to make a show, or I was asked to make a show of my entire life. Um, so I think I'm past that point of um, validating myself by having other people understand me. I, I don't think that's the way it works for me now. Okay, how do you find validation now? Working, <laughs> being able to shoot every day and just have the time of my life seriously when I am shooting. Um, and 10, 15 years ago in college, I never would have thought that I'd, I'd be a photographer like shooting every single day. Um, if that isn't validation enough, I don't know what is. There has not been a day where I was like, I don't want to shoot. It's like, it, it's intensified over the years. Like my love for creating things and for shooting. So um, that's probably it. And I know people feel feel that when I shoot and when I'm at work. Like, I, I know it. <laughs> like, I, I know they can tell I really, really love what I do. Um, and that's, that's enough for me. So the joy that comes with being able to do freely what you want to do, it's something that not a lot of people get to reach in their lifetime. That kind of joy that you're describing now, that you're telling me about. Do you think that there's hope for people who want to find it, but can't really, can't really find it at the moment? I mean, how do they do that? How do they find that kind of joy? Well, there always has to be hope, first of all. But if you're in a situation right now and there's nothing you can do about it, just try to learn as much as you can while you're at it. Um, you can't beat yourself up every day for doing something you don't want to do. I did that for apparently half my life. <laughs> but I, I tried to make the most out of it. I tried to learn as much as I can outside of the, the system I was put in. Um, I explored, like literally, figuratively, <laughs> to LRT across the street by myself. <laughs> These are little things to other people I know, and that comes from public privilege stance. But you, yeah, always have to have hope. And uh, I say this to other photographers always. I'm like, always like, store images in your head, always store knowledge. Like, you'll never know when the opportunity arises for you to be able to take out. Um, those things you learned. It's trying to always learn something new every day. If you could speak to your childhood self, what would you tell your childhood self now? You're still going to have bangs at 34. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, uh, I'd say let's just go on with it. Um, people are going to, people are always, always going to talk, even until now, even like as, as a professional you won't hear the end of it like there's still people asking me why i'm not a doctor what happened to the genius like like even in jest but <laughs> so i just tell my younger self just you do you uh, you don't know what you're doing yet but you know, just enjoy it while you're at it and don't step on other people be nice um the well, respect what you end up doing, whatever it is. Shira, thank you so much for trusting us with your story. I'm this is if it was a big thing for you to share, it's amazing for us to hear it really. And 
you you just mentioned that you know you hope that you're inspiring other women with your story and you really are you're inspired i have to thank you for coming on what glass ceiling i really enjoyed oh, hearing your story Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the, the questions and the care with, with which they are asked. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks so much for being on What Glass Ceiling, Shaira. Check out the other episodes of What Glass Ceiling and follow us on Instagram at WGC Pump. <laughs>